Welcome to Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esguera. Today in the program, we're going to talk about how to protect committee pantries from some vicious and unfounded uh, red baiting coming from government officials, despite assurances even from local government units that they would be left untouched. We'll speak with a congressman who's calling for investigation into this red baiting of community pantries. First, the news. Manila sends more maritime assets to the West Philippine Sea as Chinese ships continue to linger in the area. The National Task Force for the West Philippine Sea says it's, uh, it aims to intensify the crackdown on illegal and unregulated fishing and to increase safety of life and at-sea operations. The assets deployed were four Philippine Coast Guard vessels and an aircraft, five Bureau Fisheries and Aquatic Resources vessels, as well as high-speed tactical watercraft, and rubber boats of the Philippine uh, National Police's Maritime Group. Aside from these, the national government is also working on an 8.8 billion peso development program with Palawan for the environmental protection of the municipality of Calayan. Fishery management areas have also been established there to conserve and manage fish resources. The task force says such moves prove the government's firm rejection of any attempt to undermine the 2016 arbitral award that invalidated China's claims over the West Philippine Sea. You now joined by uh, security analyst Renato De Castro is also a professor of international studies at De La Salle University. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us on the program again. Uh, good morning, Christian. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. Uh, so we've seen the, uh, the latest deployment coming from the uh, Philippine government as far as the West Philippine Sea is concerned. But I'd like to start this uh, discussion with the seeming disconnect between the uh, the strong positions taken by the Department of Foreign Affairs, by the Department of National Defense against China's uh, assertive uh, activities in the West Philippine Sea, compared to how President Duterte addressed that issue a few days ago. What do you make of that disconnect, even at this time? Well, I see, yeah, I see a dynamics going on within the government. Of course, you have the line agencies; those are in charge; those who are in charge with foreign affairs diplomacy and national interest doing what they have to do, protect the national interest. Unfortunately, you have somebody up there who happened to be the commander in chief who has a different take regarding uh, how we deal with China. For this line agencies, they see China primarily as a threat in terms of our resources. We should also see it as a threat to in terms of strategic. On the other hand, President Duterte still wants to protect his appeasement policy, which he laid down in 2016. If we would make any change right now regarding his views and his policy vis-a-vis -vis China, which is basically characterized by what I call appeasement or sometimes called defeatist, that's basically admitting that he made, you know, he made a major mistake, a major miscalculation at the start of his term. Simply that appeasement will not work, and of course, China is not a friend. China might be a friend, but it's also a competitor. Of course, it's bent on depriving us of our exclusive economic zone in the West Philippine Sea. Okay, so if you're China, how do you see this uh, this disparity, this disconnect between what the line agencies are doing and what President Duterte has been saying? Yeah, we'd be more than happy. It's going into our plan, you know, our stratagem. Divide, uh, div uh, divide your opponent, attack a strategy to win without actually fighting. And this has been China's strategy. China has been very consistent with strategy applying what we call gray zone operation against the Philippines. And this is something that the Duterte administration, especially on the top, has been very much oblivious with. That you have a friend, of course, that's applying this form of statecraft, of course, 
uh, number one, effecting a maritime expansion at our expense, but at the same time offering us a lot of goodies, confusing us, creating confusion in our mind on how we have to look at China. Is it a friend? Is it a competitor? My take is that we have to uh, basically look at China as a friend in certain issues, but of course a competitor when it comes to our maritime domain. But then, uh, in reality, um, even if uh, President Duterte still is uh, sounding defeatist, uh, even if he's still trying to appease China with his statements recently, uh, the reality is that it's not, those statements are not stopping the line agencies, in particular the Department of National Defense, from doing what it's supposed to do. So if you are the Philippine government, do you see any big problem with that? Yes. You have a problem in terms of policy. Everything boils down to policy. What is the direction from the top? What's basically happened is you have agencies performing their standard operating procedures without any direction from the top, which is, of course, is, you know, looking at it from the outside, from uh, Filipino people, from, let's say, from the Washington, D.C., from Beijing, from Tokyo, we, they see a country that is, of course, divided within, a country that could not even come out with a coherent policy regarding a clear and present danger. That is, of course, China's maritime expansion. But the, but the point is, even if President Duterte is taking this position toward China, uh, his cabinet ministers, his cabinet secretaries are doing what they are supposed to do. So one way of looking at it is, uh, is that President Duterte's power or influence is not being taken that seriously because the, the line agencies know what they are supposed to do. They know the more important things that need to be accomplished. Uh, but again, there is a sign of disconnect. They are not connect, uh, coordinating with one another, primarily because the direction from the top is not, not there. You have a vacuum on the top. Mm. This is also risk not being taken seriously by China. Yes, of course. Uh, just like what uh, retired uh, Associate Justice Antonio Carpio said, China will not listen to us because uh, there is, of course, a vacuum at the top, at the top level. The top level simply doesn't have any coherent policy regarding how this line agencies would have to do their tasks. Okay. Now, speaking of policy here, President Duterte, uh, he didn't use the red line, but he, but he basically, for all intents and purposes, uh, put forth his own red line, right? That if China won't touch oil resources in the West Philippine Sea, he basically won't move. He's willing to share the, 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 the fishing resources there. What are the implications of this particular statement by the president at this stage? Uh, number one, of course, when he invited the, China, the Chinese to fish, usually in international relations or diplomacy, you have a quid pro quo. What do we get in return? We offer China a major concession. Your, your fisher folks are allowed to fish in my exclusive economic zone. What did we get in return? Is anything concrete we got in return? Filipino fishermen still could not fish inside Scarborough Shoal. Maybe along the periphery, but their catch are still confiscated by the Chinese Coast Guard. And hmm. then, of course, uh, the second point here is China is a crafty, patient player. China would simply wait. At the right time when they would, of course, have to go into the resources. The, you know, this is basically my point. We're so much focused on the resources, which is valid. We also have to look in terms of the strategic dimension. Mm. Why does China want to control uh, 85 or 90 percent of the South China Sea? It's not simply resources. It's also a matter of strategic. Mm. Number one, of course, it, it would affect China's uh, implementation of what we call anti-access area denial directed against the major naval powers. Yeah. 
and United also States. in the United States and also in the long run. And this is something I've been telling my students in the Armed Forces of the Philippines. This is also preventing future generations of Filipino to develop our country's naval capability. Mm. If you but look of at, course, mm. yes, that's in the long run. So, but of course, this yeah. is not just about the Philippines. China has a much bigger strategy in the, in the in the South China Sea. But the Philippines geographically occupies a very strategic position yes, as well. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we're on the path of Chinese maritime expansion. Mm. And this is something we really have to plan for, not only in terms of this administration or the next administration. This will be a generational struggle. Okay. Uh, now, you mentioned the, the generally uh, generational struggle. We know how the political system works in the Philippines for better or for worse, mostly for worse. You see inconsistencies when it comes to policies across administrations. So this is now the policy of the Duterte administration. During the next administration, we're not sure who would win. We're not sure what the policy toward China would be. Now, how do you establish a consistent policy toward China if you are the Philippines, given the much bigger strategy, the, 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 the long marathon, the marathon that, that China is very much willing to take as far as the South China Sea is concerned? Uh, this is uh, probably the time that we have to contemplate and be serious about developing what I call our grand strategy. That will be developed by probably in the next administration. I doubt if, if this administration is capable of coming out with a grand strategy based on, of course, what's happening in the region. That a security issue that future generations of Filipino would be facing will be an expansive and aggressive China, for better or for worse. So we have to plan. What are basically the, uh, the vision that we have? Do we want to be a province of China? Just, you know, somebody in government said in January 2017, uh, 18, just make it a province of China. So if we want to be a province of China, what's the point of a grand strategy? The other, of course, is we want to maintain an independent and sovereign country mm. where Filipinos will be free to choose their friends, their allies, and will of course have access to the maritime to the resources in our maritime domain. Okay. Now we know that uh, China has been insistent on uh, dealing with these issues or with this particular issue bilaterally with individual claimant countries. And the Philippines uh, was willing to do that. Uh, that's why it gave birth to the uh, bilateral consultative mechanism with China. But lately, what are you seeing? Uh, are you seeing the fact or the reality that uh, while we're keeping this bilateral approach with China, we're also starting to, again, uh, gather more help, more assistance uh, you, through a multilateral approach in terms of dealing with the South China Sea issue? Yeah, but this is a case of de facto because the policy of the government is still a follow China's terms, bilateral, which of course will end in our subjugation. You know, China basically uh, is, uh, is applying this bilateral policy simply to exhaust us, to finally force us to accept the inevitable that China owns 90% of the South China Sea and we cannot do anything about it but to accept. Mm. On the despite, other hand, the, despite the arbitral victory that the Philippines Yeah, they has. couldn't care less. They couldn't care less about the arbitral victory. What is, of course, important to China is to achieve its long-term strategic goal. 85 to 90 percent control of the South China Sea. And of course, uh, what's the evidence? People would ask, what's the evidence? Just look at the nine dash line. The Chinese are very clear. They're very explicit about their long term goal. Realize the, you know, the goals of affecting this nine dash line. And of course, so, part of the strategy is making sure that that would be accepted 
by the or, Philippines, but on a bilateral level. Yeah, in other so, countries. Uh, that's why you see the freedom of navigation operations, operations. in that area. Uh-huh. And uh, of course, the United States adoption of the arbitral ruling last year. So yeah. uh, this is, of course, the state of affairs right now. Uh, we're still stuck with a policy that China simply laid down bilateral. But of course, you have countries that are already offering their diplomatic and strategic assistance. Okay. Now, speaking of the green, uh, gray zone tactics of China, this is very, very alarming because it's not just happening uh, in the West Philippine Sea. It's also happening elsewhere in the South China Sea. Now, in the meantime, how do we deal with this uh, gray zone tactics by, 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 by China? The starting point is basically the software. We have to assess how do we have to view China. Let's take it from the Vietnamese. The Vietnamese had already this historical view of China. Uh, they're forced to deal with China because they share a border, land border with China. But at the, uh, on the other hand, they're always wary and suspicious of China. They knew for a fact that China could not, China will never be Vietnam's best friend. So we have to, uh, the starting point is of course at the software, having developing our strategic view of China. Of course, also taking into account that China's goal is, of course, detrimental to the Philippine national interest. Mm. 85 or 90% control of the South China Sea, that will deprive future generations of Filipinos of the resources that we have in the West Philippine Sea. And I think one thing that uh, people should also understand is that President Duterte won't be here forever. But the uh, yes. long-term repercussions of the policies uh, that uh, he adopted would be felt. And that will, be the generations. that will be the challenge next year for the Filipino to electorate to choose a leader who would lead the country way into the 21st century, who of course has a clear eye view of China. Somebody who will never say that I love China and I want the Philippines to be a province of China. Mm. Somebody will tell us our goal way into the 21st century is ensure an independent sovereign Philippines where future generations of Filipinos could choose their friends and, of course, their competitors. So aside from the pandemic, aside from the economy, obviously, this should be, you think, a major campaign issue A major next campaign, year. yes. Foreign policy should be an important issue in Philippine foreign policy, not only in terms of protecting the OFWs, but, 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 but also, how, yes. But, but how, do you, how do you sell that idea as a campaign issue to the people? Because basically, if you, if you say foreign policy to the ordinary voter, that might sound very, very foreign. How yes, do course. you bring that down to that level to be able to better communicate the integrity, the issues? Well, that's a challenge for the intelligentsia of those who mold the opinions. That sh this should not be uh, simply a discussion in the coffee shops, in the hotel lobbies. This should involve the entire Filipino nation. This should be a whole nation approach because this will affect not only the nation at this point in time, but future generations of Filipinos. Okay, Professor Renato De Castro, thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Thank you very much, Prashen. Have a great weekend. At least two Philippine senators want to defund the country's anti-communist task force after its spokesman, Lieutenant General Antonio Parlade Jr., compared community pantries <coughs> to Satan, giving an apple to Eve. On Twitter, Senator uh, Joel Villanueva said the 16 billion pesos under the National Task Force to end local communist armed conflict should be allocated to COVID-19 financial aid instead. 
Villanueva's colleague, Senator Sherwin Gatchalian, agreed and called the likes of Parlade a waste of taxpayers' money. The so-called Makabayang Bloc in the Philippine House of Representatives calls for investigation into the alleged profiling and red baiting of uh, com community pantry organizers and volunteers. Now joined by Bayan Muna, Representative Carlos Sarate. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good morning, Christian. Uh, how soon can this, uh, will this investigation that you're calling for uh, actually happen? And do you think this will have the support of the House leadership? Uh, hopefully, when we resume our session this uh, May 17, no, and soon thereafter, and uh, we are calling the House leadership to support this because uh, this has gone too much, uh, Christian. No? Acts of kindness by our ordinary people are now being uh, vilified, uh, red tagged, no, and uh, uh, just about anybody no, na gusto tumulong. Uh, instead of encouraging uh, this kind of uh, uh, initiatives by our peoples in this time of crisis aggravated by this pandemic, uh, ito pang napapala nila, no? nare-red tag sila. And uh, it, is, it has a chilling effect no? uh, to some of our uh, people, especially if we look at the uh, past events no? where people being red tag and ended up not only being uh, filed charges with uh, Trump up charges, but uh, some of our colleagues were even assassinated or killed no? because mm -hmm. they were previously red tag as terrorists at Christian. Yeah. So definitely when, when someone is red baited, red baited, this is not something that should be taken lightly because of the things that actually happened to other people in the past. No, But yes. what do you make of those uh, assurances made by, by government officials, even by local government officials, that the community pantries would be left untouched? And even the Philippine National Police claims, well, no problem, you won't be red baited. That's the problem, Christian. You know? They have this Janus face uh, when dealing with this kind of uh, issues. No? Uh, just like before, they said, if you are an activist, you don't have to worry because uh, activism is not terrorism. But when the anti-terror law was passed, no? even uh, simple criticism is now uh, labeled as acts of terrorism. Now they have been saying, uh, the Lacanyang is saying, just let these uh, uh, community pantries uh, go ahead. But the National Task Force to End the Local Communist Armed Conflict are now on the, uh, are level, is now leveling up its uh, red tagging activities against these uh, community pantries. No, mm. uh, you can you know monitor their spokespersons, uh, even uh, you know uh, saying non secretors and uh, apparently being time warp in the their, uh, um, not only in their uh, uh, Cold War. Uh, mentalities, but even uh, using uh, non-secretors based on uh, the Old Testaments. No? So, this is very uh, alarming. Uh, not alarming. This is already becoming dangerous. No? That's why That's we again. filed this uh, House Resolution Christian, no? uh, to make these people really accountable. Uh, okay. Speaking of danger, let's talk about what happened to Ana Patricia Non. Uh, she was red-baited. Uh, she was profiled to look into the so-called possible links that she had with the communist movement. no. So because of this fear, because of this effort, she was forced to close down temporarily uh, the Maginhawa Community Pantry. Uh, unfortunately, it was reopened yesterday. <clears throat> it raised natin the anatomy of this information and why this is very, very unfair for the likes of, uh, to the likes of Ana Patricia Non. No? I don't know if you agree with me, but this is how I see it. May isang tao, simple, Simpleng tao, ordinaryong Pilipino, naisip magtayo ng community pantry. Okay, maganda yung 
adikain, nagkaroon ng traction, naging viral yung effort, maraming gumaya. For some reason, pinagbintangan na may link sa komunista. Ngayon siya ngayon yung pinapasagot. Meron ka, bang, yeah. meron ka bang link? Para siyang chismis, di ba? Yeah. Ah, si ganito, ganito yun. Ah, talaga ganito siya. All of a sudden, you're put on the defensive. You have to defend yeah. yourself. Yeah. When in fact, there was no basis for the allegation or the red baiting at all, right? That's exactly what they uh, want, Christian. No? Uh, and, uh, this is actually premeditated, no? itong pag-label nila. No? Apparently, to cover up the... Uh, talagang nangyayari ngayon that uh, there is negligence by uh, from the national government in this, its response dito sa pandemic no and uh, nakikita na natutulog sa pansitan yung pamahalaan no na matindi na ang kahirapan tapos ngayon mayroong mga uh, good samaritans no na gustong tumulong no and dahil uh, nakukulangan kung hindi sila nakukulangan talagang pagod na rin sila sa pag-aantay sa gagawin ng pamahalaan eto ngayon no and uh, worse christian Uh, dahil uh, nag-ano nga ito no uh, naipakita na it this is another form of people power i think no at kumalat na ito sa buong bansa more than almost 400 uh, community pantries now are scattered all over the country gustong i-hijack ito no uh, gusto nila agawin yung narrative na natutulungan ang mamamayan uh, uh, sila raw ay gagawa rin ng mga pantries without an agenda but actually they are trying to hijack this and pursue their a uh, very twisted uh, counterinsurgency agenda that they now label the whole of nation approach no uh, para lang uh, masiraan no at uh, 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 pati yung uh, simple act of kindness ng mamamayan ay uh, kanila nang ipapatigil no dahil okay. uh, what of it if uh, people are uh, for example are calling for mass testing no ay eh, talaga namang uh, matagal na itong panawagan ng mga tao no Uh, hindi mo sama yan. In the same manner, nagtatayo sila ng kanilang mga community pantries. Oh, think ko ito yung problema lagi, di ba? Ever since. Since, uh, since this whole thing started, no? So, there's always this um, part of the crackdown is to go after the so-called front organizations, right? So, this was articulated, I think, yesterday by National Security Advisor Hermogenes Esperon. Sabi niya in a press conference or an interview, uh, they would look into community pantries and their possible link to the CPP front organizations, no? So obviously pinagbibintangan diyan kayo, bayan, bayan muna, lahat. Inasa left ano, uh, yung mga lefting organizations, no. But but technically if you guys put up your own community pantries, what's wrong? Exactly, Chris. Even if you put up let's say yung ano bang ginagamit yung term yung ayuda hindi bala, no. Even if you put up uh, placards or signs like that, what what's wrong? Exactly, exactly, Christian, no. Uh kaya nga, sinasabi natin sa kanila, sabi nila, uh, acts of terrorism daw ito. What? Hindi ko maintindihan, no? Uh, uh, they have to be reminded, no? Na even, kahit sabihin na natin, gawayahin natin yung sinabi ni Parlade, it only started with one person. Yes, but even in the Bible, Christian, no? It also started with one person, no? Uh, uh, by using five loaves of bread and two fishes, no? And feed our pe- the people, but at the same time, criticizing... Uh, what the Romans are doing. Eh, ano masama doon? Then it was called Good Samaritan. Then it was called Agape or Agape. But now it's uh, it's also called an act of Christianity. No? But uh, they don't want to do that. Uh, they don't want to be uh, that people will be doing this act of kindness no? para lang mapagtap- para mapagtakpan yung kanilang kakulangan. No? So, uh, you are correct. Uh, what, what about no? kung uh, uh, sila din naman ang gumagawa ng ganito? Uh, so, para, para, uh, 
I, I think ang concern nila diyan baka gamitin recruitment yung yung ganung situations right for for people to recruit uh others to join the communist movement i think that's their that's their concern that's their claim that has always been their uh, narrative christian in the same manner before no nagusto nila ang university of the philippines ay tanggalin okay. na yung uh, accord dahil nagiging uh, recruitment based daw ng cbp and pa ay di pasaran na rin nila ang pma no so okay. these are non sukitors no uh, why, instead of encouraging our people no na magtulungan nga in this time of pandemic ay pinaterrorize uh, pa nila no they are sowing fear among our people no because that's the only their only weapon Christian no uh, para hindi uh, mag-exact na accountability ang ating mga mamamayan especially during this grave crisis no na hinaharap okay. natin ngayon because of this uh, pandemic okay congressman Carlos Zarate thank you for joining us this morning sir uh, thank you Christian and if i may add no uh, hmm. we filed this resolution no uh, calling for accountability and finally uh, to push our Uh, call before no to defund this uh, NTFL cap and the, uh, disband this NTFL cap and realign its budget to more meaningful and uh, useful uh, pro- programs and projects like uh, okay. this uh, community pantries. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Congressman Zarate. Thank you, sir. Thank you. The city of Manila began its COVID-19 home vaccination service earlier this week for bedridden residents. Let's get an update from Mayor Isko Moreno. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us on the program again. Hi, Christian. Good morning sa iyo at sa mga okay. staff natin sa ANC at inyong uh, mga manonood. Okay. Bago natin pag-usapan yung very interesting uh, vaccination home service in Manila, I'd like to start with the community pantry. So, so over the past several days, uh, it has been a big issue. Uh, the fact that certain community pantries are getting harassed, allegedly being profiled by police for, for their supposed connection to the communist movement. In Manila, what is the policy and how many community pantries as far as you know, are there now? Well, uh, the policy is very simple. Right? You don't need permit to, good, do, to do good deeds, no? Binilinang ko si General Francisco and all the station commander not to disturb this uh, uh, yung malasakit ng tao. Eh, hindi naman kailangan magpaalam para gumawa ng kabutihan sa kapwa. So, natutuwa naman ako and I'm proud of... Uh, the people of Manila na uh, nahawa sila kay Ann doon sa Maginhawa and uh, it's everywhere in Manila and I'm so proud of them. Mm-hmm. Malaking tulong to definitely doon sa pagbibigay ng ayuda ng local government, no? Yes, because uh, as you all know, uh, since last year, the city of Manila has been preparing for the food security program for 2021 because of the socio-economic impact of this pandemic. And uh, every month, Uh, every family is about uh, almost 700,000 families in Manila will receive food boxes. No, and we have done the uh, finish with February, March, and two days ago we, we are uh, finished already with uh, April, month of April. So, tapos on top of this, nagkaganyan pa, no, na uso yung malasakitan at pagmamahalan sa isa't isa. So, we encourage those and we support that as a okay. city government. Now, napaka-simple ng policy you mentioned by the uh, city government of Manila. So basically, they should be left untouched kasi nga nagmabalasakit sila sa kapwa. No? Pero yes. how about uh, community pantries that are sponsored or put up by left-leaning organizations? Which, is, which are the very groups that are being profiled or obviously likely to be profiled? Uh, will they also be covered by this policy? Will they also be protected? They should be you know, sending us a proof 
Uh, whoever claims that. Okay. Example, may may recent tweet dito si ano si uh, si Renato Reyes of the Bagong Alianza Makabayan. He was quoting uh, the certain Marikit Arellano na sinabi pinahinturaw yung community pantry sa Pandakan because of supposedly nababahalaran because of the so-called rent baiting. So these things are also will also be looked into. Yes, because uh, we don't support Communist Party. Yeah, di ba? Uh, basta ang importante sa atin, no? Pagka pagmamahal ang ibinibigay sa uh, kababayan natin, sa kapwa natin, dapat sinusuportahan. But uh, we cannot just claim uh, and keep on claiming and uh, you know, tagging everyone uh, kapag gumagawa ng kabutihan. Uh, lalo na yung mga ahensya ng gobyerno. Dapat yan talaga, hindi puro press release. They have to show to the people that there is proof behind the claim. That they are linked to any communist movement. Yes. Okay. Now, dito sa ano, dito sa distribution of the one uh, 1000 uh, peso aid to the uh, residents in Manila, has this been completed? Sa awan ng Dios, uh, Christian, no, uh, with the, with regard to uh, JMC resolution number 1 2021, we have distributed 297,581 families about 78% in a matter of 15 days. So we are hoping by uh, before the end of the month or at least a few days, uh, first week of April, uh, compliant na ang uh, City of Manila. And I'm grateful to the uh, Manila Social Welfare and our daycare uh, workers who are uh, doing until uh, sa gabi, nag-distribute sila. So natutuwa uh, naman ako, napakasipag ng mga empleyado ng pamalang nusun. Okay, now let's go to this vaccination. So you've started or you are set to start the home service for vaccination for COVID-19 in the city of Manila? Tama po ba? That was uh, last week, no, Christian? Uh, uh, even uh, before the uh, notice or guidelines given to us, uh, we've been trying to address at yakapin yung mga bedridden na mga kababayan natin na gustong magpabakuna. At across ano yan, no? A1, A2, A3. No, and we've been doing that uh, despite uh, wala talaga kaming bakuna, yung aming mga natira na kakaunti, no, pailan-ilan, ay uh, neutilize namin in a way that uh, it will address members of society na baka lang makalimutan ng, ng estado. So it, it is our second week now, awa ng Diyos, with the help of uh, Vice Mayor Hani Lacuna, uh, she's going around and about uh, seven to eight teams going around the city uh, to do service to the uh, bedridden uh, individuals in the city of Manila. And how many of such individuals have been vaccinated and how many are still uh, set for vaccination? Well, uh, marami ang listed, no? uh, but uh, there is a requirements that uh, needs to, uh, to fulfill. Like for example, uh, clearance ng doktor nila kung meron silang doktor, uh, pangalawa, yung pagpayag ng pamilya. And uh, so far, uh, out of 400 plus initial list ng Manila, ay uh, nakaisandaan na ang pumayag, kaya nakaisandaan may gitna kami uh, for the past two weeks. Okay. Now, since the vaccination campaign in Manila started, how many have been vaccinated? 74,000 74, plus no uh, ang uh, vaccine deployed. And about 3,900 plus uh, second dose and 74,301 composed of A1.1, A1.7, 
A2 and A3. Mm. Can, can this campaign be sustained? Because we know that the uh, supply is limited. And different and, local government units are also scampering for supplies, diba? Kanya-kanyang order yan, mayroong ceiling set for each LGU. Uh, well, uh, as you all know, uh, for now, uh, the entire 1,600 local government units around the country is uh, always hoping that the vaccine will arrive in our country and uh, an ample share will be given to every uh, LGU, especially in NCR Plus, where is the kumbaga, where hot zone, no? yung, yung, yung malakas ang infection. And to achieve herd immunity, uh, you have to focus your resources, your limited resources, uh, so that uh, we cannot, we stop sending uh, uh, people infected in the provinces. No? So that's why uh, I'm, I'm, we are very grateful that uh, from time to time, kapag may dumarating, eh, minabibigyan kami kahit pa konti-konti. So mm-hmm. yung aming konti-konti nakukuha, uh, siya naman naming sinusunod yung priority list diligently. No. Pero ramdam ba sa City of Manila yung vaccine hesitancy as shown in surveys, as uh, as uh, shown by certain anecdotal uh, situations? Alam mo, Christian, uh, our number shows that there is hesitation when we launch our uh, uh, vaccination pre-registration December uh, 31 and first week of January. No? Talagang mataas yan. No? It's, it's a matter of fact. But when we uh, deploy uh, on March 1, the first vaccination happened in the country was held in Manila. No? Uh, in March 2, the local government deployed the vaccination. Alam mo, ano, um, sumirit yung demand. No? Uh, especially uh, kapag nababalitaan na nila na nabakunahan na yung kanilang kapitbahay, kaanak, and so on and so forth. In At the case of City yari. of Manila, sa, oh, tama ka, Christian. Uh, in the case of City of Manila, it's the other way around. No? We have a good problem. Uh, yung tao gusto na magpabakuna. Eh, kaya lang, wala naman talaga bakuna. Realistically, when will the vaccination of the general population? Yung talagang walang comorbidities, kailan mangyayari? Oh. Uh, well, ang pri- ay- ayos sa priority list, no? uh, yung lalo na yung A2. When Sinovac was approved for uh, senior citizen, we, we have to finish that. And there's about 150,000 uh, individuals in the city of Manila. So, madali lahat yun, Christian. In fact, modesty aside, no? Uh, in the case of city of Manila, we have 20 uh, sites, vaccination sites, on top of the uh, uh, yung panakanakan naming uh, ibang areas. Like what we have uh, uh, pinag-usapan natin kanina, yung home servicing, no? Uh, kaya namin mag-produce ng 1,000 per site. And we've tried it. Uh, there is a proof on it uh, in two weeks ago, no? nung merong bakunang madami-dami na nabigay sa amin. So at 1,000, at 18, that's 18,000 a day. And times 30 days, at 540,000, kaya namin bakunahan ng one dose in one month. So in second month, second dose na kami. 540,000 is about 50% of our uh, general population of target population at 1.1 million, 18 to 18 years old above. So in a given scenario with with ample enough vaccine available in the community, uh, in two months, kaya naman. Okay uh, lang, uh, that is uh, a wishful thinking. Dahil alam mo naman, Christian, na talagang ang 
ang production ng uh, bakuna sa mundo ay talagang limitado. Kulang talaga, okay. Now, pag-usapan natin yung epekto ng ECQ for two weeks and then the ongoing MECQ in, in Manila. Uh, have you seen any significant improvement as far as the numbers are concerned in your city? Well, generally, there is still high infection across metropolis. No? At eh, ang Maynila naman, ay meron ding pagbabago ng kaunti. No? Maganda rin yung uh, decline no? uh, for, for the past four days. But still, uh, for me, this is alarming. Still alarming. Kasi uh, what matter most, Christian, is that uh, yung ating uh, occupancy rate sa hospital setting. No? Kasi while it is true that there is uh, a good numbers of people getting infected are under asymptomatic, uh, but with the large number of infection, a few percent of that will... Uh, Naku, eh, mapupuno na mapupuno ang hospital. No? Uh, that's why, uh, kaya kailangan namin kumilos ng mabilis ang, ang pamahalaan to address those mild, moderate, severe, and critical. No, yung asymptomatic, uh, mababa ang aming percentage, about 40% of our 900 bed capacity. But with our 573 bed capacity in our hospital, uh, it continues to to grow no like for example uh, for the past five days 62 65 72 73 and last night 75 percent so in projection is going up hmm. so in, it's just a matter of time na mapupuno at mapupuno ang mga hospital so that's why as you heard uh, we are going to build uh, in in a few weeks hopefully may awan uh, yung ating uh, 336 uh, bed capacity for mild and moderate um field uh, hospital in Luneta. Ah, sa Luneta, 336 bed capacity. 336 Manila COVID-19 field hospital. Pero how soon can this be completed? You said in the coming weeks now because you have to be specific with the time frame because sa exactly. pagtaas ng numero and you're playing catch up. I, 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 I honestly agree with you, Christian. I, I, that is our attitude since last year. Kaya makikita mo yung aming uh, capacity to, to handle infected person is way, way beyond what is what transpired last year to prepare the city of Manila for 2021 of any eventuality. But now that eventuality is now a reality. No, that's why uh, before mapunta sa dulo, hopefully, uh, yung sinabi ko sa yung in the following weeks to build the hospital, our goal is uh, by eight weeks. No, so, so may awan Diyos. But uh, we'll do uh, our best. No? Ayoko naman na habang gumagawa tayo, eh, may ma-accidente. But uh, sana naman, wag naman. But uh, Pero, may awan ano Diyos. Mm-hmm. May awan Diyos, Christian. Yeah, because the MECQ will last until the end of uh, April, right? So yeah. we don't know yet what the decision will be of the President and the IATF after that. But given your experience in Manila so far, uh, do you think it would be logical or prudent to extend the MECQ at least to allow you with, with more breathing space to be able to accomplish The, the, the goals that you have set, including, for example, this uh, creating this uh, field hospital? Relative yan, no, uh, Christian. Kasi we have to balance also. You, you know, we cannot sustain uh, uh, actions addressing one situation without resources. Yeah. And the only way for the government to exist efficiently and effectively is to generate resources and the economy is 
being affected no gravely by by some policies na nangyayari at because of the infection so kailangan lang talaga balance it's like crossing a thin hairline no between life and uh, economy while i choose life at the same time uh, hanap buhay pagkain uh, trabaho uh, this also matters to people no mm-hmm. eh, kaya kailangan uh, pwede pa rin tayo mag-elevate in a better uh, quarantine category category but pwede naman natin i-amend no if okay. ever then i think there are specialists who can manage that and we as government as implementer in the local government no uh, can do that also uh, yes. kailangan makahanap ng balance okay. this is because uh, christian like einstein said don't expect different results will come to you tomorrow if what you did today is the same as yesterday Yeah, so we really is, this, have to innovate, no? We really yeah. have to innovate. So on the innovation as far as Manila is concerned, I'm going to talk about specifically Metro Manila, uh, uh, Manila the, the city government. Yes. Kasi nga, yung binanggit nyo, Einstein quote na yan, that's often used to criticize the national government policy. Kasi nga, we saw the things that we had to do already last year, especially after August, after that that uh, that uh, that time out called by the medical professionals. And still there were things that were left unaccomplished. Specifically, for instance, Uh, mass testing, which again, repeatedly we keep saying, hindi ibig sabihin na pag mass testing, bawat Pilipino itetest mo. Okay? So pag-usapan na lang natin situation dito sa Manila. Ano yung significant improvement as far as mass testing is concerned? Well, mass testing has been happening in Manila. And eh, eh, at hanggang ngayon, no? it's it's free. That we have drive-thru, we have contact tracing for uh, Uh, people who are suspected and probable. And in fact, we went beyond that, uh, even peace of mind. Uh, pag nakaramdam ka lang na feeling mo baka infected ka o na-exposed ka, we test you. And we continue to do that. We continue any, to any trace. Numbers any numbers nyo, Mayor? 109,000. 109,000. Um, na-test namin ng free uh, RT-PCR okay. uh, test, the gold standard of testing. Okay. And we will continue to do so because this is the only way Uh, the only way to find as early as possible, that's the key, no, uh, Christian? Knowing a person whether he, he or she is positive, y- yun ang key. Uh, kasi kailangan namin siya masegregate. One, to help him or her. Two, to isolate her or him sa kanyang pamilya at kakilala dahil siya pwede maging carrier. No? Nang hindi niya alam because large portion of the infection Uh, confirmed infection is asymptomatic. So, tendency, uh, lalakad-lakad lang siya. So, kami, doon kami lagi nakapokus. Isolate them as early as possible, test as many as possible, and okay. once, ito yung ano talaga, ito yung isang innovation. Et, ito yung, I, I do believe in this, that vaccination is the solution. So, okay. when you have vaccination or vaccines, uh, for that matter, You have to deploy fast. When we say fast, vaccination is should uh, should be faster than infection because time is always of the essence. So hindi yun yung isang nakikita namin ako in our own little way no understanding uh, the, the rate of infection and the rate of vaccination. Kaya kami when we do vaccination we kaya marami kaming ano marami kaming side 
Okay. Para pag meron, deploy ka agad immediately. Okay. But okay. Uh, again, again, we end up with the conversation, where's the vaccine? Uh, but okay. <laughs> these are the things that we are not in control. Yeah, Then, definitely. Ano na naman ang pwedeng gawin? So mm-hmm. what we did, okay, so that we will address future problem, immediate future problem, which is hospital congestion at pagod ng doktor, then we should address okay. uh, particular sa ospital yung critical and yung severe. Then we segregate mild to moderate in a field mm-hmm. hospital because we need to build more ICU setting, uh, yeah. COVID bed hospital in our, in our hospital. So, oh, basically, the deacon just... Yes, oh, yun yung isang well, ginawa namin. Mm-hmm. Oh, para hindi mapagod yung doktor. Okay. Kasi ang, ang, ang ganito, no, Christian, uh, I hope you don't mind. Yeah. I'll try to be humane kong konti, no? Oh. Yung critical and uh, critical and uh, severe needs special specialist. Yung mild and moderate, pwedeng regular physician. So, para ma-pull out natin sila, lagyan natin sila sa tamang facility, mabigyan sila ng ample care, yung severe and and critical, mabawasan natin yung death rate. Okay. Okay. Uh, yun yung by putting more machines and all other things. Okay. Well, thank you very much, uh, Manila Mayor Isko Moreno, for explaining those things and joining us this morning, sir. Thank you. I thank you. Mag-iingat kayo. Kapit lang. May awang Diyos. Makakaraos din tayo. Ha? Okay. Ingat. Salamat po. Kayo rin po. Thank you. And that's our program for today. I'm Christian Esguera. You can listen again to our uh, ANC Matters of Fact interviews on, the, our, on our Matters of Fact podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. You can also get all the exclusive content on ANC's YouTube channel. Thank you for watching.